When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, heroes, and welcome to another exciting episode of One Shot. I'm Tracy Barnett, your host and narrator. Heroes, today we begin a new series within a very cool game called Rhine. Rhine is a Powered by the Apocalypse game that takes place in a world of titans and over-the-top, epic, mind-bending landscapes and ideas and concepts. It's extremely, extremely cool. And what is even cooler, I think, is that our very own James D'Amato was part of this game with the creator of Rhine and two voices that I think you will both recognize and be very, very excited to hear. So, without any further ado, let's get to Rhine. All right, heroes, let's meet our party for this week. First up, a voice that I dearly hope is familiar to everyone listening because they are one of the stars of Campaign Skyjacks. That is Nathan Blades. Hi, everybody. Hi, hello, hello, hello. I'm your androgynous Android game show host from the future, Nathan Blades, tabletop RPG designer, streamer, voice actor, and general ne'er-do-well, and the voice of Captain Nora Marvel on the Campaign Skyjacks podcast. I'm very, very happy to be here. Hi, hello. <laughs> Also, one of the most prepared intro artists in <laughs> all of podcasting. I talk to people who podcast for years, who have been podcasting for years and years, who, when they have to introduce themselves, they go, uh, I don't know what I do or who I am. Sorry. <laughs> You're going to have to move on. I love that that is chambered and, and so perfect and eloquent. Nathan, is there anything specifically and Here's the thing, Nathan. Mm -hmm. I don't know when this is coming out. I'm still technically on paternity leave. There are a long line of like guest hosts. We're going to try and get this out as soon as possible. But is there anything uh, that you got going on right now that you just want people to check out? Oh, that you'd uh, like to plug? absolutely. I, I recently uh, did a marathon of a tabletop actual play one shots, eight of them totaling like 24 hours of storytelling goodness. Wow. Mm, I was very tired. Uh, but you can find <laughs> <laughs> you can find all of those at uh, youtube.com forward slash the neon caster. There is uh, some fantastic gems and some fantastic, fantastic storytelling that goes on in that set of eight. Do do check them out. Radical. Which brings us to our icebreaker question for this week. And Nathan, that is when is the last time that you have witnessed something like cosmically vast that, that that made you feel small oh my gosh i don't know if i can recall a specific time but a, a concept that has stuck with me that makes me feel small every time just the ocean the ocean is mm. you know we've been able to as human society been able to live almost anywhere on earth and in space but we can't live underwater despite trying. There's things in the sea that we just have not seen yet. And that just makes me feel like tiny and afraid. 
<laughs> Fuck the sea. <laughs> hey, man, that is uh, your, your tone and network line right there, and I love it. I absolutely love it. Uh, <laughs> good, good. Well, let, with that, let, let's move on to our next guest. Another voice that I hope is familiar to everyone because uh, they've guested on a lot of episodes of One Shot at this point, and that, that is my dear friend, Ben Meredith. Ben, welcome back. It's me. I'm in the walls. I'm hanging around. You can't get rid of me. So who am I? In the what walls, I... much like the rats. What do I, what do, I do? I think I just scrabble Poking around, around Making some scratchy noises. Yeah. Uh, no, I'm Ben Meredith. Hello. Uh, yeah, I'm a game designer and voice actor. That's it. That's what I do. <laughs> ben, Ben, what, what what projects would you love to to get the listeners out there? You know, going to check out. You know, right away. Probably two things, which were both collaborations with my, with my brother. As always, hey, listen to Stella Firma. It's a sci-fi improv comedy podcast on the Rusty Core Network, and it's done. There's three seasons of it. Had to think about that, but it's good. It's funny. It's stupid. Also, every Sunday, four to seven p.m. GMT, BST, you know, the, the stuff. I do a Twitch stream with my brother, Tim, um, and we just do variety streams. It's, again, a bunch of nonsense. Um, yeah, it's a bit of silly fun. Listeners, you, you have to take it from me. If you have not listened to Stella Firma, the rapport between these two is perfection. Like, you, you want to hear them on a Twitch stream. You got to listen to their podcast. They are so much fun to listen to together. And you know, if you need evidence, you can just go back and listen to the episodes of One Shot that I had them both on because they're incredible. <laughs> ben, I'm going to ask you the same question. You know, what makes you feel cosmically small? Yeah. So like Nathan, probably nothing specific, but it's that feeling when you look at the clouds and they're moving fast enough to remind you that they're up there and they're things and they're very fast. And then it, you get the feeling like you're falling into the sky. And uh, that's one to just go... You know, often nowadays we're so connected, the world can feel very small. And that just goes to remind you that geographically that's extremely not the case. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, that's an ex- extremely good answer. You know, don't spend too much time looking out at sea or up at the sky. They will both swallow you up. They're hungry, <laughs> hungry things. With that, I have to move on to the designer or, or one of the co-designers, I believe, of this week's game that we're featuring, and that is Adam Dixon. Adam, welcome to One Shot. Hello. Thank you for having me on. Yeah, I'm one of the co-designers of the game we're playing today, which is Rhine, a game design sort of workers co-op, which we've just set up called Furtive Shambles. That's what we put all of our games out under. And I'm also the host of a podcast called These Flimsy Rituals, which is the podcast we made the game for originally. So we've got an actual play there and we kind of designed Ryan while we were playing the game and all that. Oh, that's lovely. That's mm. lovely. Yeah, def- definitely check it out. I'd be interested to listen to some of the design process for this game because there's there's a lot that I like here. And I, I want to point out, ideally, listeners, we have gotten this to you very quickly because Ryan is currently crowdfunding um, and yeah. we'd love to get more attention there. Yeah, it's on Indiegogo right now. Um, we've been running for two weeks as of recording. There's another couple of weeks left. Uh, we are funded. And it's just about stretch goals. If this comes out after the crowdfunder, we'll also have like late pledges open and stuff like that as well. So no matter when you're listening to this, you can either come and pledge or maybe the book will be out. Who knows? 
that would be that, that would be if the book yeah. was out because I am I'm hoping for a tight turnaround on this one. I regret um, saying but, that. But now. yeah, <laughs> listeners, if you like what you hear, uh, if you like what you hear in this week's episode, the next couple of weeks' episodes, go check out Ryan on on Indiegogo. It's a very cool game, and we're about to prove it. God damn it. Adam, before we get to the game itself, I have to pose the same question to you. What makes you feel cosmically small? I think I've got like a specific place in my mind, which I've not been to in a while. But while I lived in London, there's a place called Abney Park, which is like a woods and a cemetery just kind of combined into one. So it's like a double whammy of you're in this like big kind of woods that cuts out all of the sound around you and you feel kind of very small in that space. And then there are just loads of gravestones and lives of people who have gone before you. So it's just like, yeah, I'd go there to chill out and be like, I feel like a small part of something much bigger. Yeah, being surrounded. There's something about being surrounded by both things that are giant and living and things that are small and dead uh, <laughs> that really puts you in a kind of perspective. Yeah. Makes, makes sense to me. Well, <clears throat> with that, Adam, let's get started on the game. Mm -hmm. Where do we start? Should we start with a little overview of what the game is and how it all works, and then we'll jump into the characters? Brilliant. So, Ryan is a wild fantasy powered by the Apocalypse role-playing game. It's designed to tell stories of people living in a world that's much bigger and stranger and weirder than they are. It's a world that has been shaped by titans. So there's always like a huge colossi on the horizon, and each titan kind of represents something. So they could be tied to like a domain. So you could have like a big ghost that is about preservation, or a weird crab that's about hope, or whatever kind of titan you want to make up. And then the entire landscape is kind of shaped around that titan. And one of like our starting points in designing it was like, what if it's a game about titans where you're not trying to kill them? You're trying to work out how people build lives like in their footsteps, how people build homes like amongst these gods that can kind of don't care about you in any way. And it's kind of adapted to do like three kinds of stories. And so communities travel and kind of change. And like change is really the big pillar that kind of drives all of them. It's about like, this is a world that's in its dusk, it's fraying, it's falling apart, and you are people who are dealing with that in one way or another. I, I can feel how this is a prescient game for the current world that we live mm -hmm. in. Hmm. Um, <laughs> big environmental oh, cool. themes, but yeah. Mm. Yeah, environmental, but you know, like especially with, with community being a major theme, I, I can also see societal themes mm. uh, in here as well. <laughs> let's see what we discover in play though. Let's let's get started. Yeah. So where would you like to start? I, I think you've all selected characters and role books. Should we start from there and then work out? where we are and what sort yeah, of story let's, let's, hmm. let's develop our characters and world and my usual experience with mm -hmm. that is the story makes itself very readily apparent after you do that so yeah normally for a game of ryan we've got these things called like story seeds which are like little world building games you can play to like start your game but i think for just like a one shot it's nice to just dive in and see where it leads us Mm -hmm. Although, if you want to show off the seeds, we, we can open up a bag of seeds. Mm. These, these little birds can flit right up to that, <laughs> that pedestal and start pecking away. We could do a very quick story seed um, and go from Let's there. Let's do it. Let's do it, yeah. So the one that we've got like really ready, the three story seeds in the game that are kind of tied around being in a community undertaking change. We've got one which is like your group of people doing a great project. 
And then the third one, which I think is in the nicest stage at the minute, is one about being on a journey. And the, we kind of play a little world-building game that will tell us where that journey's going. The way the journey one works, if everyone's happy to play through a journey, mm-hmm. is we yeah. get a map, we roll a bunch of dice onto it, and then we decide like some of the features and places that we might travel. And then we go from there. Okay. Radical. So yeah, the path is one of our story seats. Should I do the little narrative introduction, and then we can jump into how it works? Hmm. Day after day, your feet carry you. You trudge along path, scale the flanks of hill and mountain, ford rivers filled with water and fire, with honey and shimmering pearls of glass. Some days you trade stories with others, heading your way. Others you move slow and furtive to avoid the road's dangers. Perhaps you're driven to what awaits ahead of you. A new home, a promised miracle, the embrace of a long-missed friend. Maybe you're pushed on by what's behind, the recriminations of others, new spreading disaster, a place you vowed never to return to. Either way, you hold the destination in your heart as you cross Rhine's shifting landscapes. At each clashing border of concept, you prepare yourself to relearn how the world works. So the path is all about like stories of travel and exploration. We'll probably move through a lot of different landscapes, each shaped by a titan, and kind of get to imagine a lot of like big titans and what their geography is like around them as we kind of journey through them. We have a few like questions about our tone that we could go through if that's useful. So the, the three questions are like, what kind of tone do we want our journey to have? Do we want to focus on bright and vibrant landscapes, curious and odd, or do we want a treacherous road with bleaker moments? I am in the mood for something a bit brighter and cozier today, if other folks are. Mm. Yeah, yeah, I could I could definitely go for that. I, I do like the idea of there being curiosities mm. in, involved, but like we can make them kind of bright curiosities. Yeah. Sounds good to me. And having seen glimpses of your characters, it feels like a lot of the interpersonal stuff might be the, the like dramatic moments Mm. Mm -hmm. second question is like how certain do we want to be about where we're going do we want to be a group heading somewhere in particular or are we just meandering well uh factoring in uh ben's character as an artist uh, (laughs) is there is there a is there a specific you know are you drifting to find your inspiration or is there somewhere you're heading in particular that you need to get to I get some some drifting vibes from my character. So I think even if we do go somewhere specific, my character will just be along for the ride. <laughs> I would like a compromise where we are headed somewhere specific that people are not sure exists. And therefore, oh. there's a fair bit of wandering involved mm-hmm. in it. I like it. And then the last question is, how long do we want our journey to be? And I guess like the better question here is, like, what sort of pacing do we want? Do you want to focus on every moment on the road or is it just we're gonna have like vignettes which i think might be a quite nice way of doing it i am a, a huge fan of samurai shampoo style like vignette stories <laughs> where every bit we're in a new location meeting some new people and then we drift away by the end of that little narrative i am absolutely down for that yeah cool. that sounds great so yeah those are kind of like the establishing questions and i feel like if you're playing at a table you spend longer on all of them <laughs> but i think we've already got a good idea of like where we want to go after that, we do like the little world building game. So the way the world building game works is there are a number of steps, and the first one is we place a map between all the players. I have like put on the screen the kind of map that's coming with Rhyme that'll be printed in the book, and you can kind of have printed on fabric as like one of our nice reward tiers. Mm. And what we'll do is we will put features on there. So I've also added some tokens into the room, which we can kind of add to the map. The first thing we need to do, if someone would like 
To do so is pick somewhere on the map that we're starting from. If someone wants to just choose a spot that they think is where we're starting. And if you've got access to the tokens, which hopefully you should do, do you want to choose one and play on the map? Oh, actually, yeah. So there's there's a, a token that's a, called Sticker Lizard, which is a, a lizard with a city on their back. And mm. I think that means I'd like to start on this lizard at the bottom. Mm. Always start on a lizard. <laughs> Always start at the lizard. That's what my dad always told me. If you're planning and putting together a birth plan right now, make sure you do lizard delivery because that <laughs> is the most natural way to do it. I I can't even fathom what that might even entail. <laughs> <laughs> Good lord. Did you want to say anything about this lizard city or do you want to uh, explore that later? I think we should explore it later. I, I Yeah. Cool. And then the second thing we do is, does someone want to choose a thing or a spot to be this uh, mythical place we're heading? Mm. I mean, uh, this uh, map has like a field with a whole bunch of like concentric rings mm. on the other side of it. And that looks uh, uh, very, very fascinating to go visit. So I'm going to put this uh, gem shrines token if that. Oh, I have to click it first. Sorry. Whoops. And then here. Did that work? Yeah, yeah. So there we In the middle of those uh, concentric rig fields, with the with the withers winding through it. <laughs> mm. Cool. Um, and then after we've done that, basically, what you do at a table in real life is everyone get a bunch of dice and roll them onto the table, and the places where the dice land are where you draw features. Mm-hmm. Because we're here, we might just have to pick a spot that we'd like the look of and maybe roll the dice to see what kind of feature we get. If that makes sense to everyone. Mm-hmm. Sure. Do we just want to go once around? Does that make sense? Or twice? Sure. So, do we do once around and then see how it goes? Yeah, that, I think that's good. Cool. So the way it works is on your turn, you choose one of the dice on the map and you can use it to describe a feature. It's like a place, a town, something like that. You can use it to draw a route between two features and say what that is. Like, is it a path? Is it a boat you could take? Mm-hmm. You can name a significant piece of geography and say why it might be hard to cross. Or you mm-hmm. can define a territory. So you can look at a region on the map and be like, I think this is created by this titan and this is what it's like there. So yeah. James, would you like to go first there? Would you like to... Yeah. Sure. I ended up right there. Hmm. Um, and is the, the, the dice rolling isn't tied to any prompt or anything. It's just to determine purely location, right? There are also some prompts for the features. If you want to create a feature, you can roll a dice to see what kind it is. Uh, yeah, yeah. Let's let's do that. What, what, how many sides on this? One d six. Two. So two is a home, and you can roll again to see which kind, or you can pick one from the list. So your options are a city, a nest, a village, a stubbornness, a ruin, a roaming town, or anything else you can imagine, really. But if you want to roll, that will give you a prompt. I'm gonna roll. Mm. I'm gonna roll. I'm gonna. That's a three. That is a village, one of many on your path. There is something important about this place, whether you know it yet or not. What is this place like? Who lives here? So this is the first village across the river of time. (laughs) Um, So this river that kind of bisects the world here really separates kind of 
the side of the world that we think of as like kind of normal mm -hmm. from a side of the world that everybody thinks is strange, which is saying something because all of the world is covered in titans um, that create remarkably strange landmarks. But I think the place that we're headed to is a slow motion apocalypse. It is a new Titan that has crashed from the stars and like, you know, dinosaur style meteor striking the earth. It will create this massive wave of energy that will someday engulf the planet. Mm. But the closer this meteor gets to touching down, the slower time moves around it. So it is this thing that will eventually destroy the world, but it will take tens of thousands of years to do so. Kind of most people have moved over to the nice side of the world where <laughs> you're not constantly like looking at signs of the apocalypse. But over here, there's a bridge that goes across this river. It's a long bridge because this looks like a super big river. This is the village that like kind of is a gateway between our world and this other world. And there are lots of like hints of familiarity, like like everything is pretty domestic. There's a lot of trade between this village and the rest of the world across the bridge. But there is also just like a strangeness, a different kind of sobriety that exists amongst the citizens here. Mm -hmm. And I think also I will say most of the houses here are made from glass. Mm. There is a type of glass that if you approach where the, the new Titan is touching down, its time is slowed down. So it's like this obsidian glass that was like made very, very quickly. And technically it is molten hot, so it can be shaped kind of by like hammering it out. But because it is moving slowly through time, it's very difficult to break. So it just makes a super convenient building material. Hmm. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Is time slower like immediately after you cross the bridge? I think time's weird and mm. spotty. I, I think immediately next to the impact site, there's like kind of an event horizon where time slows to, to what would feel to us almost stopped. And if you cross it, that's danger. But, like, as you get far out from it, there's less and less of that and also weird kind of rotating spotty areas where time is super weird. So this is just going to be a lot to work with. I'm enjoying it. <laughs> <laughs> Would someone like to roll one next or should I roll one? Go for it. Go roll one. So I rolled a five, which is a resting place. And I will roll again to see which can't. So I have got... A stillness, the tranquil spot where the rivers meet, a grove, a welcoming village. What boons do you find here? What do people warn you against if you linger too long? Huh. I think here there is, like... I think the resting place is the resting place of a titan. Mm -hmm. 
titans in this world are either entirely physical or entirely like ghostly. Mm-hmm. So I kind of think this might be like a ghostly titan. Like there's this really lovely forest filled with like bioluminescent mushrooms and similar that's just on the top of a mountain range. And the titan itself is this long ghostly form that I think while you're within it is kind of always twilight. And there's just like this really peaceful, relaxing vibe to being there. It's like a place where people will just go and look out from the mountain and just rest for a while. I think the thing that people warn you against is that you should never spend a seventh night in this place. The moment mm, yeah. you, you spend a seventh night, like maybe the rumor is that you will fall asleep forever or something similar, or you will never be able to leave. It does feel like a bad idea to fall asleep where it's permanently twilight. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. So it's just here, so like not far from where we're setting off from. Mm-hmm. Hello, heroes, and welcome to the mid-roll. Heroes, this is a quick note for anyone who supports us over on the OneShot Patreon. There is a post that I just put up a few days ago that has a link in it to a survey that we would dearly love you to take. We are looking at revamping the Patreon, we're looking at revising some of the reward tiers, and figuring out exactly what it is that we do that you like, so we can, you know, do more of it. So if you have a moment, check your email, go to Patreon, log in, look for that post, and hit the link. If this is only for patrons right now. We are going to do another survey for our general listening, listenership and make sure that we are covering all of those bases. But we're starting with the patrons because that's a smaller sample size and we want to make sure that we are providing things that are worth the dollars that you spend to support us. So on that note, thank you for your support because, again, you make all of this happen. Literally, none of this would be able to happen without your support over on Patreon. So... If you want to support us, go to patreon.com slash one-shot podcast, chip in some support, and help us continue to do what it is that we're doing here. Thanks, heroes. Let me take a world, I guess. A four and a three, making it a barrier, a toll, or an expectation to pay who or what demands tribute for passage here? Where do they demand it? That immediately feels to me like that is pretty directly connected to that village that is the bridge between what we believe is ordinary time and is broken time. Mm-hmm. The toll isn't really so much like a monetary thing, but they've set up um, an organization there to just kind of stop people from wandering into a space of broken time if they're not prepared. There are so many people who have wandered into broken time and just not returned, where they're like, we can't just keep having the populace vanish permanently like this. We should probably check to make sure that those who are moving across can handle it. What if you have to, like, literally surrender your illusions about it? Mm. Oh, like... There is something about that that toll booth, that barrier, that makes the space on the other side look less upsetting. Like there's something that's like obscuring this descending titan. 
I, I think even like less abstract and more abstract at the same mm-hmm. time. I, I'm kind of thinking like you literally walk up to a toll booth and there's like some bored looking civic employee <laughs> who's like, all right, surrender, surrender your illusions about this place. And like you, you do it. And then you kind of have the stark awareness that you're about to enter a war, a part of the world that is being affected by the slow moving apocalypse that will one day consume mm. everything. Mm-hmm. So, and, and the, the community that like takes this, then one of the reasons this place is so weird is they've got illusion to go around. <laughs> like this is like, gets to be a little fantasy world where, where, you know, the citizens are all paid out of this pot of like all visitors illusions about this place. And <laughs> they get to live in this easy breezy fantasy. Well, everybody who comes through has to go like, mm, mm, I'm too aware of the world and universe. Mm, that, I guess that suggests then depending on how long ago this uh, event has occurred, that, there are people maybe still alive who initially saw it fell before it hit rapid slow and the half-life of it descending who don't mm. have any illusions to spare because they saw it. It's already happened mm-hmm. to their eyes. But there are new generations of people who have always had this be part of their lives and don't see anything wrong with it until it is explained to them upon trying to cross the barrier. Mm. And they could be ancient too. Like Maybe that is the immediate fallout of being there when it first mm. happened is it happened hundreds oh, of years yeah. ago but these people are still affected regardless mm-hmm. of where they go i love that so there may be upon reaching this barrier there may be the suggestion that some of us might be uh, aware of the initial titan <laughs> fall oh um, dear uh but uh, i kind of what if what if if you were like you know close to the ground zero of like this this titan fall mm. you get caught in strange time meaning that you are kind of aging at the rate of time in concurrent with the titan mm. so you'll live for 10,000 years or whatever and very likely the thing that will kill you will be upon that impact regardless of where you are <laughs> which is why there's this community of people that needs to gather illusions from everybody because like what a terrible awareness mm, to have yeah. constantly i need to be fed the, the the fancies of other people from other places where they don't have to deal mm-hmm. with this crap i get you no that's cool i like that <laughs> there must be so many people who try to go because they're like if i go there then i will have the same immortality and that's why yeah. they're gathering illusions mm-hmm. to be like, no, you should not go there. It's a bad thing. Yeah. So is this the same village or is this something on I the other side? I think it's like literally village? just beyond mm. the village. Like the village is definitely like the last rest stop point before we meet this this gate cool. between the sides of the world. Yeah. And Ben. Yeah. What am I doing? I'm going to use physical dice because mm. I'm maverick. <laughs> Uh, and they rolled off the table. That's the problem with physical dice is revealed. They ran away from it's you. A six and a, it's a six and a four. So that gives me a threat and a hunting grounds. What hunts here and why is it suited to them? Do you have any stories of those who have escaped their jaws to cling to? I think I am going to place the token. Do we have a appropriately threatening? Let's go with these guys. So I think I'm going to place it on the outskirts of the crater in the sort of um, square meadows separated by waterways and canals. 
and I'm going to say that there are a group of people that stalk the canals looking for either pilgrims or well, people who come past. I think fundamentally they are an apocalypse cult, or at least they are rumoured to be an apocalypse cult, whether they mm. worship or venerate or are just using the starfall as an excuse. People aren't sure. There have not been many escapees. One of the rumours is that they can trap you in time. They have found a way to harness the the time-slowing effect of the meteor. And those that have uh, emerged to tell the tale um, always have a different story to tell. They, it, it's just very difficult to to know what the the motivations and the methodology of these people are. Are they rumoured to be people who were there before, like when it happened, or are they people who have gotten since? I think both of those rumours mm-hmm. are abound. So whether it's like this is the these are the inhabitants of the town that the meteor will specifically strike, so they are like the first to go. Mm. Or whether it's they've collected people from from outside. There, there are stories about both of these things, um, and no one is is quite sure what is true. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm sure there are some stories that oh yeah, this this organization existed before we even knew that the star was going to fall. Mm. Or they're made up of the people who refused to give up their illusions and then broke in. Or you know, there, there's lots of stories of, of people who do not comply. And oh, they oh, they're the spooky bandits. <laughs> I, I wonder if they're uh, collecting their own illusions separately to <laughs> to the toll booth. You know, they've got their yeah. own ways of uh, keeping themselves going. Mm. Yeah, uh, highway robbers, <laughs> but for illusion or delusion. <laughs> <laughs> they rob you of your peace of mind, man. That's yeah, uh, yeah. And that feels like a really good range of things to be going with, especially for like a one shot. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Should we jump into like playing and introducing our characters? Yeah, sounds good. Yeah, to me. let's let's get these characters. So you've all had a look at like what characters in Volbox uh, you want to play and have been putting some stuff together, right? Mm-hmm. So what I was thinking is, should we start this on the road and do introductions as your like a resting point? Ooh, okay. Immediate rest stuff. That sounds exciting. I, I would like to know, I think, the bonds between Ooh, us yeah. before okay. we okay. do that, because I want to know how these characters relate to each other. In that case, uh, should we introduce our characters and the role books you're playing and start to think about what our bonds are? Mm. Yeah, that that sounds good to me. Ben, why don't why don't you start? It feels like you are the the natural starting point of yeah. this Russian sure. nesting doll relationships. <laughs> okay. Uh, yes. So I am playing the heart role book. The heart are storytellers, priests, shepherds, firebrands, or the keeper of values. So when things get tough, when the distance between us becomes abyss, we turn to you to remind us what we stand for. How sacred are those values you hold? Are you prepared to fight for them? So I've gone in a slightly frivolous direction with this, and I am a sculptor who is on a self-appointed quest to try and create what I consider to be the perfect sculpture of the purest form mm. of life itself. My name is Oka Inkblot. I am 17 years old and my hu- oh so I am I have both a body and a spirit so I am not like the remnants and my humanity which Adam I guess I say like 
the idea of what is human in Rhine is much more expanded than what we have. So mm-hmm. every character kind of has sort of a thing that they can get some uh, mm-hmm. mechanics out of, but also it helps to, I guess, make the world feel deep and wonderful and mysterious, right? Yeah. And like the way that we kind of imagine it is that because the Titans influence the landscape around them, they also influence the people. And you might be influenced in lots of different ways. You might have a shell or a tail or wings, but you choose one of those to be like, this is something that's defining for me. Yeah, so I am a lanky and pale boy with a very, very intense eyes and hair that is forever getting uh, in front of them, and I'm forever sort of sweeping it away. I favour loose and ruffled shirts and baggy trousers. I very much consider myself i think it looks like i consider myself a byronic hero even though byron doesn't exist in Rhine, mm-hmm. but uh a goth a new romantic kind of, goth <laughs> kind of person mm. however my humanity is my legs below the knee are termite mounds and they have termites living in them and those termites are my friends awesome <laughs> oh my god <laughs> so it's in my head it's like you know how mega man kind of doesn't really have feet he's kind of got that's kind of like, like blocky yeah 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 yeah, yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. it's that but termite mounds, <laughs> and they kind of crawl out of the holes where the toes would be when I want them so, to. So oh. wait, you do lift up and and like ambulate with with these? They just happen to be termite mounds, or is it like a constantly rolling sort of termite mound, <laughs> just sort of floating along? The floor. <laughs> no. uh, I guess the question is, can you jump? Is yeah, it... <laughs> no, I think I'm not forever uh, ground locked. Uh, I think it's they okay. are sort of like their their own um, discrete mounds which can be i mean they they are effectively legs Mm -hmm. in their usage just they're a bit bulkier and uh, all of my friends live in there Mm. compared to legs (laughs) (laughs) i think i've covered kind of everything we need to do at the the start of this Mm. yeah i think any moves we'll explore as we play yeah yeah that makes sense to me so i think the next person who makes sense to go over is nathan's character Yes, 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 absolutely. So I, my playbook that I'll be playing is The Guardian. You were a fighter, a warrior, a soldier, but you don't just protect yourself anymore. You have another under your care, a charge who you have sworn to protect. As you guard them from the world's sharp edges, how will you reckon with your violent past? As your charge grows, who will you teach them to be? And I am playing Reginald the Ninth, a uh, illustrious war hero at least as uh, he tells it an ancestral hero because he is in fact dead and uh through an elaborate ceremonial ritual upon his death his warrior's death on the battlefield his spirit has been bound to the family line and uh is now essentially haunting future generations after himself to give them the calling <laughs> of, uh, of of heroism, and uh, so I guess this is uh, his surname is probably now Reginald Inkblot, being <laughs> a, uh, <laughs> Reginald Inkblot the Ninth, being uh, a great, 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 several times recurring ancestor of Ochre, and is probably unsuccessfully trying to tell you that the sword is mightier than the pen, to to, to limited success. <laughs> <laughs> oh good yeah and and where does uh Oka rank on the scale of most disappointing charges that you've had to look after oh 
At least think, disappointing to you. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, I, I think in the grand scheme of things, not actually that low, mostly because Oka has passion, and there have been people <laughs> in previous legacies who just didn't have passion for anything, and nothing mm. uh, winds up Reginald the Ninth more than people who don't care about things. <laughs> There's an apocalypse going on. No one else has even gone to have a bit of a look, mm. you know? <laughs> <laughs> Is this where Oka got the word quest from as well? Oh gosh, absolutely. That's it, yes. <laughs> I was like, I kind of want to do this. And I was just like, a quest, you must say. <laughs> I, I think there is probably, you know, the like baby shower that Oka had. And, you know, part of that is kind of like, and you get to inherit the family ghost. <laughs> and immediately, Reginald is like, there is a quest in you. I know that will drag it out of you eventually. <laughs> and, like, the last person in our terrible trio, but you're, I think you described this as the guardian of the guardian, right, James? <laughs> Yes, yes. So I am going to be playing Sadie Inkblot. <laughs> I am going to be the younger sister in, in this trio. And I am a weaver. Weavers are described. Everything in this world is tied together as if by a tangle of thread. You have a knack for manipulating those threads of weaving spirits and emotion and fate. You can mend wounds, read destinies, and glimpse truths which lie within someone's heart. And I think that Sadie specifically, through this weaving, is kind of what is allowing Reginald to be tethered to the world in a way. That probably what it is, is in our ancestral home there is a shrine where normally Reginald lives. And kind of when you go on a quest, like you report back or send letters or whatnot that are offerings to Reginald at the shrine, but he can't really come with you. But Sadie has taken it upon herself to bring great, 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 great uncle Reginald with us on this journey together. Sadie's humanity, Sadie has bioluminescence. So I went with Sadie's skin kind of has, especially depending on like the time of day and time of year, almost aurora borealis type hues that like filter through it. And, you know, if the lighting conditions are just right, you know, you just see all of these colors dancing across her skin. But other than that, she's like kind of a very, you know, reserved and removed person despite being quite young i'm i'm gonna say probably around 12 13 she is like because of the awareness that she has as a weaver because of the kind of things that she had to do in order to keep reginald grounded to the world she's just a bit of a, a bit more of a spacey type person mm. Mm. Oh, 
I I didn't mention, I guess, the the physical aspects of Reginald and what my humanity counts as. Sorry. Oh, yes. So I am specifically, which is a fun little thing that Ryan does, I get to be a ghost. There is both a playbook specifically about being a ghost, but all playbooks can be ghosts if they would want. This means that I do have my humanity feature, although it doesn't give a mechanical benefit like these two still living individuals get to do. So Reginald is rake thin and kind of droopy like a willow tree, especially the really long, like thin, wispy moustache he has. He's clad in a ceremonial armor made of uh, brightly decorated porcelain. So it's both like a, a white and electric blue with a great sword that he carried and died with that has since shattered. I think whatever killed him broke the sword and him, right? Uh, so he's now carrying around this broken sword like it's still intact. Maybe the shards are like floating around him or something. Also, he has four arms. Uh- <laughs> <laughs> so you've got like a ghost of a sword you're carrying around. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's recursive. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> One of the things I realized I forgot to ask you about. When you're a ghost, you get like a boon and a bane. Mm. You also get some tells, which are like the ways that people know that you're a ghost. And they're oh, not sure. always apparent, mm-hmm. but like, especially when you're in a stressful situation, they might kind of, you know, make themselves known. Might be worth thinking about those. So if we get into a stressful situation, you can Ooh, describe sure. your ghostliness. Mm-hmm. I'll, I'll mention <laughs> the boon and the bane, and the yeah. tell I'll reveal when we get to it, I guess. But the boon is that I'm eternal. This ritual that has prevented me from passing on remains intact until the ritual ends, which I guess is when somebody actually gets to be a hero. So if my spirit is destroyed, it reappears a few days later. I think Reginald's died again (laughs) a handful of times. Not that many. So it's still a concern and novel when it does happen. They're far enough apart where it's a concern. Uh, But the bane is that I'm bound. I'm bound to an object, place, or person. I initially... Uh, interpreted that as being bound to a person like each generation i get bound to a new member of the bloodline but uh if sadie is carrying me around or has taken me along for the ride there is probably an object i'm bound to instead i kind of had the idea that you're bound to sadie's spirit right oh okay cool basically Mm. what sadie did is like just weave your spirits together uh, so mm. like she does her spirit isn't like even really in her body right now it's kind of the tether between you and the the world itself mm. right now mm. so kind of depending on the circumstance i might end up by uh Oka's side by sadie's side or somewhere in the middle depending on how far <laughs> apart they are mm-hmm I do enjoy that in intent, you're haunting me, but in practicality, you're haunting Sadie. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it turns out there's a lot of red tape about being mm. uh, an ancestral <laughs> spirit. This episode of One Shot features music from the following artists. Heal This Land by Joshua Specht. Dark Times by Falls. Ghosts by Enoch Yang, and Raindrops by Moments. This episode of One Shot was edited and sound designed by Tracy Barnett. You can find more of their work online, anywhere, at The Other Tracy. That's it for One Shot this week, but don't worry, we'll be back next week with part two of our series of Rhine.
As usual, we end one shot with a call to action, and this week's call to action is to call your representatives. It is always, always, always an easy and effective way to make change even when you feel like you can't do much else. When I call my reps, I go to fivecalls.org, I type in my zip code, I look for the issues that are important to me, and I use the script they provide to call my representatives and make sure that my voice is heard. This is an important thing. You can do it every day, and it really can move the needle. It doesn't take that many phone calls for a representative to take notice and maybe actually listen to their constituents. And it's especially important if you are calling from a district where you have a representative that doesn't necessarily represent the views and opinions that you have. So you can let them know that if they want to keep their job, that they need to do a better job actually serving their constituency. So head on over to Five Calls, take some time, and make your voice heard. Thanks, heroes. If you like this show, you should check out some of the other shows on the One Shot Podcast Network. Shows like Campaign Skyjacks. Campaign Skyjacks takes place in an original setting inspired by folktales and classic adventure fiction. James D'Amato leads Liz Anderson, John Patrick Cohen, Tyler Davis, Johnny O'Mara, and, in recent episodes, Nathan Blades, as they tell a tale of daring sky pirates, giant birds, and the terror of a cursed sea. It's funny, dramatic, and at times, emotionally devastating. Just search for Campaign Skyjacks or James D'Amato on iTunes, Google Play, or your favorite podcast app. As always, a humble and hearty thanks to our supporters on Patreon. If you want to help us in a non-monetary way, the best thing you can do is tell a friend. You can also leave us a rating and review on iTunes. Every five-star review we get helps new people find the show. For the latest one-shot news, be sure to follow me on Twitter at OneShotRPG. Look us up on Facebook at Facebook.com slash OneShotPod, or look for news on the site at OneShotPodcast.com. If you want to inquire about ad rates, live appearances, commissioning episodes, or you have a general question or comment for the show, contact us at gamemaster at oneshotpodcast.com. One Shot is a production of the One Shot Podcast Network in association with Paracosm Press. Paracosm Press is a Chicago-based tabletop games publisher. You can find more information at p-a-r-a-c-o-s-m-press.com. Finally, that music, which is right now swelling up over my voice, is Adventure by Be Your Own Pet, courtesy of Infinity Cat Records. See you next time, heroes. Heroes.